Welcome back to Unemployed, the podcast for you. If you have a job, if you don't have a job, if you want a different job, if you hate jobs, if you love your job, I don't fucking know. Or if you're sitting at home in a pandemic and you're like, I should just listen to a podcast. Thanks for coming here. Thanks for being here. I love you. I appreciate you. We got a great episode today. I am here with, oh, she's dancing. She's dancing. I'm here with Ellen. Ellen, I'm swaying, you're swaying to the groove of your intro. Wow. Yes. I, it wasn't it. even musical. <laughs> to me, it's music, you know? Thank you. Yeah. A lot of people say that about the sound of my voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just it's- pure music. How is your week? How how are you doing? I don't know. I I'm so tired of this pandemic. I just want <laughs> things to be normal again. That's where I am basically. I do and I don't. Like I do, but I feel like I'm going to be so awkward and hear me out. I bet a lot of people feel I feel like how am I going to ever go to like an event with like multiple people and be a normal human being? Yeah, like, I'm getting that too. I feel a bit of anxiety just thinking about things going back to normal. Right? Yeah. Even my friend was like, can you, do you want to go here in Brooklyn Heights on Monday? And I was like, well, I have to be in the city. I have to go, I, I have something. I have to go there by like five. And I was like, that's too much for me right now in a day. Like to even think about getting place to place. And I was like, yeah. I hear myself say that. And I'm like, remember when you would do like a billion things in a day? Like what is wrong with yeah. you? Oh, my brother got the vaccine. Congratulations. Like the first person in my family to get vaccinated. Wow. Um, that's great. My brother got one too. And my mom is getting her second one on Thursday. <gasps> wow. I know. I know. It's that's very cool. exciting. Yeah, so Look it's at becoming, that. it's feeling more like realistic that this is something I'm going to get eventually. You know, it's that. funny that we're talking about it as if like uh, they're like celebrities now. We're like <laughs> the first person in my family to graduate with honors. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like a vaccine. Like we never talked about a vaccine like that before, you know, or it's like you either got a flu shot or you were, you didn't get a flu shot. But I know, but this one's different. I mean, I'm jealous. I want I know, it. I know. <laughs> Did you read about in Brooklyn? For people who don't know, there was like there were leftover vaccines and like all these people stormed this like vaccine center. Did you read about this? No. Oh, you got to see. My friend almost went, he told me. But it was like and then there were people there breaking it up because too many people showed up. But the vaccines expire. And so it's kind of like. So they were like, hey, we have some extra. Come and get it. And then too many people showed up. I think so. I think it it like was leaked on Twitter. You know, it was it was a big deal. Anyway, back to hard news from the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an article that came out. Blake Shelton has a new song out. And I laughed as soon as I saw the title, which is Minimum Wage. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a, a big, it's a big topic of conversation right now. Huge topic of conversation yeah. right now. Uh, so was Blake ahead of his time? Because he probably didn't record that song. He probably recorded that song earlier. But then you hear the song and... Uh, <laughs> And you're like, yeah. Blake Shelton, why the hell are you singing this song? What are you doing? It's well, I mean, it's a very typical like country trope, I think, but it's also like Blake, you're cosplaying as a poor person. This is right. not your reality. When has no, this it's been almost like on ever? the Hilaria line, you know what I mean? Where it's like you're you, you think you're you think people will relate to you in this song because the lyrics make it seem like you are not rich Blake. Shelton you are poor Blake Shelton no you can't fool us um and it's also 
it's romanticizing minimum wage and it's like the reality is like minimum wage sucks <laughs> right it's fucked up in this country you know and like so many people are underpaid and he probably thinks it's just like a, you know a way of life like some people are on minimum wage and some people make millions and millions of dollars I don't know I, you know and I, I saw he was like defending it too and he was like it's a song <laughs> like, it's just a song guys Calm yeah. down. But it's like, who gave you, you know, right now, I feel like everyone needs to be true to themselves. And, you know, what you put out there, people will judge. They're going to see it and they're going to judge it if you put uh, that shit out. Yeah. No, but in this economy, I would rather a million dollar bill than a six pack with you on the living room floor or whatever that lyric is. <laughs> Can we read that? I'm going to read the lyrics, okay? Because yeah. reading them, I think, really gives it, you know, it's... It, you know, it shows you what this song really is. Okay, so the chorus is, you can make a six-pack on the carpet, taste like a million-dollar bill. You can make a one-bedroom apartment feel like a house up on the hill. You can make mine. He doesn't have a one-bedroom apartment. You can make my truck out in the driveway roll like a cleaned-up Cadillac. Okay, give me a Mercedes. A girl <laughs> looking at you, looking at me that way, can make a man feel rich on minimum wage. So he's saying mm. hot bitches make you feel like a millionaire. Is that what yeah, he's saying? Basically, it's like <laughs> you don't need money. Don't even think about raising the minimum wage. It's fine. As long Girl, as you your have love is money. A woman. Your love is money. <laughs> you can make yeah, your love not can like make a, a man rights song. It's you know. It's also, I'm sorry, but it's also like girl, girl and man, you know, how only it's very like hetero, pro heterosexual relationships. It's, I'm like, yeah. I think he was trying to be a little woke. Like, let's do a song about like, you know, the economy and let's like talk about minimum wage. And then yeah, it's like, yeah, but yeah. let's definitely, this is a country song. Let's, it's definitely like a, a straight man and a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, country oh. music isn't that progressive yet. You know how he could make this better? He could fucking tweet. He has so many followers and he's so famous. I do like Blake Shelton. I don't fault him. You know, I don't know if he wrote these lyrics or not, but I still like, I love the voice and he is one of my favorites. But I do think he, he should tweet out right now. Uh, we should raise minimum wage. I mean... He could solve all... He could... Tr he could like trample on all of the the shit he's getting from this song by just using his platform to say it you know yeah. i'm sure all of his uh, fans would be like no that's not good for the economy blah blah blah. trickle down but anyway i tried today yeah i tried to tweet about it today and i'm getting those comments oh, too God. and i'm like yeah it's okay. like such a trap don't <laughs> even go there yeah but i will say the the hook of the song is very catchy i know it's I like kind it. of a good song i listened to it because i knew we wanted to talk about it and on repeat and i was like shit but i kind of like it you know but i've <laughs> yeah i mean it's a solid you know radio I love how you're song. like, it's catchy, it's solid. I'm like, Ellen's fucking listening to it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go listen to it, like, right now, actually. Well, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it, or we'll play you a little clip here. Maybe we can drop a little illegal clip. Girl looking at you, looking at me that way can make a man feel rich on minimum wage. Girl, your love is mine. Your love is mine. Uh, don't tell on us. Tell us what you think about it. Yeah. What's your opinion? I want to know people's opinion on the minimum. It's called minimum wage. It's like, just minimum wage. That's the title. He was yeah. like, yeah, let's just call it that because then it'll probably get like 
you know, trending because of the title of it, you know, the subject. Ellen, I'm so excited for our episode today. She is a very funny comedian, host. You got to follow her on Twitter. She has the funniest tweets too. But right now, you better check out Up Early Tonight is a late night talk show on Hulu by Scary Mommy. We have Abby Crutchfield on the pod. What's up? Am I allowed to be multiple people doing the audience voice? Yes, I mean, like, please. Yeah, the crowd. Can I clap myself up? The crowd's going wild right now. This is a real comedy show everyone thank you for having me anna oh my god ellen now see here's the thing i am used to making the loudest applause on my way to the stage is that relatable i don't know if i'm the only person that does it but then like give it up for abby crutchfield i'm like and you clap clap for yourself (laughs) yeah not as a performative thing but just as a (laughs) probably my psyche needs it like this is the one i what i need to hear to get on stage like when you started doing comedy your brain was like you better clap for yourself in case no one else does <laughs> it's, and now that you say that, now that I hear myself doing it in a podcast, it's like maybe that's not appropriate. Maybe I should just let. <laughs> I like let it. I'm going to take notes. For itself. I'm going to start clapping for myself whenever I do this. I'm going to be like, another day here in my pajamas. We got We this. did it. <laughs> we did it, Joe. Oh, God. Um, it's my favorite Wow, quote. you nailed the voice in three words. <laughs> we did it. It's my favorite quote of the year. And whenever I hear Joe or we or did, I decided let loose. It comes out. <laughs> I, like, I hope she gives us more iterations of it. Anyway, uh, for those who don't know, it's Kamala. Uh, it's it's her best quote so far. Uh, not her best, but her most memorable for me. Um, Abby, how are you? How is your quarantine? How is your life right now? Hey, man. I feel like quarantine is no longer a segment. It's just a whole chapter. It's a whole season. So, uh, you know, let me just stay in the moment and say this day, pretty darn good. I've, I'm caffeinated. Great. My husband took our daughter out to play after her, you know, two-hour attempted nap that didn't work out. So... <laughs> So yeah, I'm, I feel unburdened right now. Nice. Are they out now? Are they? Are they are yeah, yeah. They're just going for a walk. There's a nearby playground, and sweet. Everybody has their masks and stuff. It's still, you know, it always feels weird to explain what happens in your life during the pandemic because of all the angles that it could be judged. But truly, fresh air right now with masks on is is the way to go. I agree. I mean, I I was joking, Ellen. I think I told you this. I took a walk last week because walks are important right now when you're always in your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we took a walk for nothing. We didn't need. A food shop that's usually the walk you got to buy food right. or something and then uh we went to some store that sells socks and there was a really good sale i bought two <laughs> pairs of socks i walked outside i was like oh look it's raining and we went home i was like when in my life <laughs> has the activity ever been let's take a walk buy a pair of socks and then fucking I took go a very i took a very similar walk to the, yesterday i went i i had nowhere to go my daughter was taking a nap so i got a coffee even though i didn't even need to drink any more coffee and then i was like now what do i do with this so i screened i took a picture of myself and i texted it to a friend who lived in that neighborhood and i said do you want to come to your door and talk at me from your door and she was like i'm actually on a work call right now and so i did nothing and she goes look for valentine's candy at cvs like we were just trying to troubleshoot like what do you do in the day in the day and age where you have nowhere to be in new york city i know so it feels weird it feels very weird um but hey we've gone we're getting through it right i I always Mm -hmm. say out loud i'm like remember when we like lived through a pandemic (laughs) and my boyfriend's like we're still doing it we're still still here here." (laughs) i'm like i know but i never want to leave home uh unless i just want a bigger home and then i'll never leave that's that's how i'm (laughs) I feel <laughs> I'm definitely I think that's a relatable thought right now fantasizing about more space because yeah. we're mm-hmm. confined to the space and what I'm doing is just I feel like a, a rodent in the forest I am just like uh gathering all my items and getting them out of my hole so that mm-hmm. it can feel bigger like I'm just decluttering and you yeah. know 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it just feels very primal to me right now to be like, get this, get this, get it out, get it out. It's like the opposite of nesting. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same exact way. I've even looked at apartments too. Not that I, my mm. lease is up anytime soon, but I'm just like right. in this world where I'm like, could you imagine? Like, I know, not that I'm getting an infusion of cash anytime soon, but I would like to make a down payment on this home over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? I know my mom Why calls not? every day. She's like, can't you buy something? I hear the market. I'm like, mom, no, like I couldn't buy something when I had a full-time <laughs> like a job. Like, what do you now? <laughs> uh, everything anyway, feels very, yeah, everything feels very limited. And, and it's just a matter of, I guess, perspective right now. But dare to dream. I definitely think dreaming is, is a great thing right now. Yeah, for sure. Ma- taking mental vacations. Do it all. Um, yeah. You've been busy, though. You've been shooting. You've been doing this show that just came out. If you hello, if you're on the Patreon, you see this video. You got to check out Abby's background. It is literally she is. This is not the show, but it kind of is the show. We're getting there's a neon there's a neon sign behind me that says "Up Early Tonight." It's got the little moon logo to let you know this is a late night show. Hell yeah! And, the, and I think the neon just says like, "Hey, we're night owls, guys. We're cool." This is a show, a late night talk show by moms for moms, and that has a you know it's it's unique in that respect, but it's also super funny. You've been in a sketch on the show. I, I have, yes. Um, <laughs> there are four episodes available streaming on Hulu, and I just I binge watched it, and not just because I'm in it. <laughs> I was going to say that's so impressive. I hate I watching to, myself. <laughs> I wanted to dole dole it out over a week, but. I think they're just so funny and they flow and they're they're super quick and very and I, funny and guests it, and they're easy to rewatch. If you missed a joke one time, you can watch them again. So yeah, definitely check it out and tell your friends. I would also say hottest like mom comedians in the you know in the community. I feel like yeah, you got we're easy awesome on the guys. eyes. Awesome guests too. <laughs> like I meant hot like your comedy is hot, but yes, you oh are yeah, all, yeah, you are all very beautiful <laughs> as well. Well, no one has ever yeah, no one has ever pointed out looks in women, and I was like, wow, this is so refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we talk about the beauty of a woman? <laughs> the no, beauty. No, uh, that's sarcasm. Thank you for saying we are hot, as in very funny and quick. But I would also say these are like beautiful people that you love to look at, too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's- hopefully super relatable. Like all moms are beautiful. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get on a, a, a pedestal. No, a platform here. Pedestal? This is, this is fine. This is a great Soapbox. Soapbox. <laughs> Ellen, thank you. This is yeah. a fun game. What is Abby trying to say? <laughs> I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but we truly are beautiful. And if you have to hear it out loud to understand it and believe it, I'm here to say it, guys. So just because people in entertainment have makeup and stuff on, what's really beautiful about everybody that's on our show is like how funny they are and how honest they are. And truly, I think like a lot of moms can connect with that. Yeah. And I think moms have such good material, too, about like, especially comedians. It's like, any weird thing that your kid has ever done. Like I love hearing endless those yes. jokes. And know? even if my kid has never smeared poop on the walls, I still feel like I get that. Like I know what it feels like to be like, no, right. And even the- if it was a different scenario completely. Totally. So on this pod, I like to talk about all the jobs you ever had. I want to take it back, back before you were, you know, hosting a late night show. Hello. Cool. Uh, before you were a comedian, what was like the first job you ever had? Oh, the earliest job I had. Wait, it was a volunteer job. Do I have to earn a paycheck with the job? No, that's it was, okay. We can start a volunteer. <laughs> We've had a lot no, of internships. It felt like work. It questions. was daycare. I was assisting a daycare with their little toddlers, and it was in a neighborhood that was in walking within walking distance from my house. And we got a lunch break. How old and were I would you? Go, I was. I feel like I was. 13 sounds a bit young, but I was probably about 14 or 13. And um, 
you know, probably every time I fact check after a podcast, I'm completely wrong. I was 22. <laughs> but <laughs> in my mind, I felt like I was probably about in my 13 to 15 year old range. And there was a Hardee's nearby. So I got to have, like, I got to use my actual money that I earned from babysitting and spend it on an actual uh, Swiss mushroom Swiss burger. And oh, on that toasted sourdough. You remember when they had that thing going? Wait, is Hardee's a cafe? I've heard of Hardee's. Hardee's is a fast food restaurant it's in like the Midwest. I'm place. from Indiana. It, and uh, and I don't know why I'm singing the praises. when you say Indiana. Only when you say Indiana. When yeah, and and if I'm if I'm you know going on and on about fast food, it's only because that's how I felt in the day. Mm-hmm. Right? In present day, I don't I don't sing the praises of fast food, but at the time, to me, that felt very adult mm-hmm. to get my own sandwich, order it by myself, pay with my actual cash, and then go back to the grind of a job I was technically not paid for, but <laughs> wiping noses and picking kids up when they fall down, and um, you know rearranging their puzzles and putting them away. It it just felt so. I felt like such a sense of belonging and responsibility. I felt like you were an adult. Just I picture you showing up to Hardy's being like, ah, on my lunch break. Here's a long day. I, <laughs> I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't connecting with the workers there. I mean, like, yeah, work, right, guys? No, mom, they probably here. Just, hey. They probably just, saw, they probably saw a runaway coming into the shop every day. <laughs> Buying a burger with money she stole, clearly. They were like, who is this child coming in to eat a hamburger every day? Oh, God. But that's, uh, yeah. To me, it was that was my Fred Flintstone grind nice. for a while. How for long? At least a, a summer. Oh, a summer. I was going to say, how long did you do that? Yeah, it was probably a period of a, a couple months, maybe. But um, it was definitely a good way to fill the day. I mean, it just felt like it lasted forever. It was like early in the morning, and those kids <laughs> probably got picked up by their parents early afternoon. But to me, I was just spent. <laughs> Is that how you feel now, as a real mom? You know, with your own. It was nothing like that. No. <laughs> Child care was nothing because you know why? Because the uh, the hours are different. It's 24 hours versus four hours mm. or whatever the time was. <laughs> and the internal sense of desperation is much different. Like I had zero expectations of me as an unpaid volunteer. Um, and I didn't know it. I, but, at, but now it's kind of like if you make the wrong choice in this, you have destroyed a life. You know, like everything. And, and the consequences don't have to be that deep, but internally, it's what I'm constantly working on is just being like, nope, it's fine. You're fine. Everybody's fine. <laughs> I love it. All right. So you're 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Now, my first real job came very soon after that. Oh, really? Oh, good. Donato's Pizzeria. Do you guys oh, have that hell yeah. growing up? No, mm-hmm. I, ha- I didn't. I'm where, from, you, where are you from? I'm from East Philadelphia. Coast? Yeah. Oh, Philly. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at Geno's. No. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, no you this- did it. <laughs> this was a this is a pizzeria chain and what's funny is it's that place where I worked still exists but they leveled the building I was in and built a brand new Donato's there so oh. even though I can pass it it's not the layout's completely different mm-hmm. all the people are gone um but that one was quite a wake-up call first of all my sister worked there and she got me the job she was like you need a new employee my sister needs a job so mm-hmm. I, at that point I was you know eligible for, to sign paperwork so I think I was at least 15. And I was very, like, made a, I was very bad at it. Like, I go into every job, and I'm sure a lot of performers that you talk to, (laughs) thinking, oh, I'm playing the role of a pizzeria woman. And so (laughs) I was very zealous about making sure people knew how uh, chipper I was and welcome to Donato's. How may I take your order? You know, and I was like, nailed it. (laughs) Meanwhile, I would get the orders wrong. 
I would, uh, <laughs> one thing I got talked talk to about a lot was squatting at the desk. Like if they put me at the counter, there were no chairs. And I was like, this is silly. Why aren't there chairs here? I'm just standing. So I started squatting. And then when people would come in, I'd pop back up and say, welcome to the house. You should have been like, it's part of my act. I thought it's super charming. And then they were like, you can't do that. And so the common theme in my work is people just think, you can't do that. And you're not understanding. Are you sure? They're like, you look like you're taking a break right now. And you're like, no, my calves, <laughs> my, my thighs, I'm just giving them a little, little workout. I know. At least I had the knees to do it back then, but it was. Yeah, I was doing the bus it challenge <laughs> was without Don- people asking for it. <laughs> was Donato's like a sit down restaurant, or is it like mostly takeout pizza? It was delivery more to go. There were a yeah. couple booths in the room, but people usually ordered it. It was. Um, it was. It is on par with Papa John's. I think that's their main. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, and and just like it was my introduction to inappropriate workplace behavior, mm-hmm. like. The guy that was the boss, like overshared and, uh, you know, was involved in some criminal activity and was very brazen about it. The people who I worked with swore more than anyone I'd ever heard swear. And I went to I was in high school. So yeah, obviously kid. I heard kids swearing all the time. But these were adults just like, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like working on um, uh, uh, what's that fish reality show where they're all, it's just fishermen all the time. That one. Ellen. The deadliest catch. It's <laughs> like, Ellen, you know this one. <laughs> What's it called? Deadliest catch. Deadliest I catch. thought you were saying Ellen, the TV show, the daytime talk show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably well, they swear amazing. a lot. I felt like I was in, uh, you know, uh, uh, on a ship. Mm. It was just like a lot of grown ups swearing unnecessarily. That was and like my house growing up. My parents <laughs> just didn't didn't stop for us like it was it was hbo was on constantly in your in your home 100 percent, yes so uh <laughs> yeah yeah and i was used to yeah if my mom was swearing it was because she was stressed but these people were just like this is just how we communicate right make the fucking pizza blah 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 <laughs> right like just like yes. all the time but they were also adults in their 30s with real world problems you know like bills to pay and and divorces and kids yeah. you know and just like i wouldn't just, know yeah <laughs> what yeah i didn't Real no, I was a teenager. <laughs> it was it was essentially like, you know, play for me and it was real life for them. And so I was clueless about it. And, and I and I had a huge learning curve and I was fired very sh- soon thereafter for just making too many mistakes in a row for the squat. Like, they were like, you squatting. know, <laughs> I didn't fight with them. I was like, oh, OK, I don't get it. But OK, I think I just came across as flaky or loopy or why is she doing this now? Were you upset when they fired you? I was. Yeah, I felt very personally rejected. <laughs> Was your sister still there? And they she were was, like, and she was employee of the month. Like her, her plaque. They were constantly comparing us. Like, why can't you be like her? And oh I was like, because she's the best. That was the era <sighs> of you know looking up to my sister and being called her. You know, like you're you're your sister junior. You know, like it was that kind of thing. How much older is she than you? She's about a little over a year. Okay. And we went to different middle schools and different high schools, so it wasn't like. Yeah, the, the comparisons were when we were in grade school. Mm, got and, it. And we looked alike, and it was like, oh yeah, you're the you're the kid version of her. But 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 she was she's an older sister, and so she's responsible, and she got straight A's. And when they didn't come easily, she worked hard for them. Meanwhile, I'm the baby of the family, and if something doesn't come easy, I flat out reject it, and then lean into what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So. I was a little opposite. My brother is like a little under two years younger than me, and mm-hmm. I'll never forget when like he came home and he was like, you know, the physics teacher was like, how are you related to Anna Royceman? <laughs> she she didn't do any work in my class and got a D, and my brother was. 
was like physics student of the year. Like he was like, wow. Oh, is he a middle child or is he? He's a middle child. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's a middle child thing. Like the the studiousness to stand out in the family somehow. Yeah. He's the only boy. He's a middle child. Yeah. You know, he had a lot of, it must be rough for him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe if you were the first, are you the firstborn? Yes. Okay. So maybe you just were like burdened you know you're like look i got all this stuff to do i can't get a's in whatever this class is yeah i was like fuck physics there's a musical this this semester like that's more important obviously (laughs) to me (laughs) rest my body for the dancing (laughs) yeah you had your priorities and and i think that was why i got fired from donato's at the time was because i was in a school play and and it required after work hours so i kept taking work off and 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 they would say it was allowed, but there's a limit to how much it's allowed. So mm-hmm. it was like, which day off are you taking this week? And I'd be like, this one and this one and this one. And you're like, okay, well, when you're done with this play, you don't have to come back. I think that was the oh. line. <laughs> Congratulations on your play. When you're done, don't come back. I hope you're like, over the phone. When I'm done, I'm going to Broadway. So I don't need to come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this career works. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know why... Because I must have gotten a paycheck, but it wasn't... I don't remember getting the paycheck and being like, I'm a woman in the workforce. I think it was more (laughs) like I was trying to do what my sister did. You know, oh, she works here and she got me this job. Well, I better do it too. But I don't know. I don't think my my personality was forged enough to to really (laughs) decide like I knew what I was doing with that job. I think it was just kind of like... I'm fired. Okay. <laughs> Back to the I wasn't play. like, I'm off to do my real job. In Broadway, I was just like, uh-oh. <laughs> so did you know when you were a kid or a teenager that you wanted to be a performer? Did you have the bug early on or? As a job? I don't think so. I think I just thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, my, my life career goals changed. But there's a common through line when you look back at it. You can say, oh, okay, it's all about creativity. It's all about performance. But when I was very young, I remember my earliest job I thought I wanted to have was be in Miss America. I thought that was like a full-time job. I watched one night of it and thought, this is for me. You were sold and off one night of Miss America? It was because I believe... Miss Hawaii ranked high and she looked a lot like my Miko Barbie, which was a safaris themed, Asian themed Barbie. And, and who I just thought like that was my model of of beauty. And so when I saw her come to life on TV, I thought, wow. And, um, (laughs) and pageantry like appealed to me. It it wasn't, it didn't look manipulated by men and it didn't look Hmm. like women weren't allowed to. I was obsessed with the Miss America pageant growing up. I'm so glad you brought this up. Yeah. The way they sold it on us in that era, it felt very much like you were watching. uh, I don't know. As a kid, I felt like it was just like any other TV show. And so, you know, like when as an adult, you can ask, why is Vanna White not allowed to speak right at the time it was like look she gets to touch those cool buttons and they light up <laughs> now she gets an outro i don't know if you've been watching the the Good. celebrity wheel of fortune but they give vanna a lot more a lot more talk time now yeah so, well thank she's, god she's outroing all the way to the bank she's doing okay for herself. she's earned it yeah <laughs> but uh but it, you know so 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 at the time what it meant to me was like okay you get to be celebrated for being in representative of a state. I just thought that was so cool. Then I think I mentioned it to a neighbor and she was kind of like, what do you want to do that for? (laughs) (laughs) And, and also like, don't you know, like it's not a full-time job and don't you know they age out by 18? It was just something like she just gave me this real talk about the whole thing. (laughs) Here's modeling 101. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that was, she wasn't even in the industry, but she was my introduction into people, rejection in the industry. Wow. And so, <laughs> damn. So that, that, that fantasy of a job goal went away. And then every year at the end of school, I think it was at the end of school, we had the young authors program. I went to a Montessori grade school. Okay. So kids were tasked with writing a book. Not even, it didn't even feel like you had to. I felt like I get to write a book that you create the story yourselves, illustrate the book, they'll provide the supplies. So it just like getting, getting to fill my, it just felt like getting to fill my time with creativity. Mm -hmm. And so at the back of that book, it would say, Abby Crutchfield wants to be an author and illustrator of children's books when she grows up. Because in the moment, that's what I was making. And I was like, this is awesome. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's a goal that is not yet realized, but it, it says creative writing. It says visual arts, which I ended up getting into. And, and storytelling and, you know, displaying my own whatever Did you personality, save? my voice, yeah. developing a voice. So it has all the elements of what I do now. But, uh, but Did yeah, you save any two. of those books? Oh, yes, they exist. I've already committed them to memory. I could recite them to you. Really? But, uh, What's the name of one? Give me, give me the title <laughs> of one. I love kid books. I'm reading my child porno, porno, pornographic novel I wrote on t- TikTok right now. It's <laughs> cathartic. Are you using me. lots of euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> no, like I illustrated and wrote a book when I was eight. I told you mm-hmm. my parents cursed. I was allowed to watch HBO. Yeah, it's really, it's really you know, uh, people, I was like the Jonah Hill. I drew a lot of dicks as a kid. <laughs> But it was it was out in the open and it was explored. I guess. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I remember. I remember. Mine was just about shame. Like there was definitely curiosity, (laughs) but it was always followed by shame. Such as my mom would take me to her favorite uh, boutique of tchotchkes in (laughs) in like the artsy part of the district of our our neighborhood, and it had a greeting card section. And in the very top were the adult cards where kids shouldn't reach, Mm -hmm. but you could see if there was an exposed boob. And so I would sneak the cards and look at them, and it's just about like looking at the pictures or reading the f word inside. Oh yeah. And then you know the store owner would either tell my mom or come to me why did this happen more than once and say uh honey that's not for that's for adults you can't do that and me just being like ah and feeling all red in the face and be like ah i got caught it's like of course you did it's so obvious when a little kid goes over to that section oh wait so what were your books what were what were the what were the oh the, uh, the children's books were were like comedy mysteries i think um oh uh, one was i remember the name was called madame Ciro. And she, that was my take on what I thought was an exotic name for... <laughs> Madam Zero. C- zero, zero. Oh, me. I thought you said zero. <laughs> I know, it sounds like zero. Look, look, oh your writer's God. brain is at work and yeah. you need to take it off because this is a child writing, okay? S-E-I-R-O. It was my attempt at ethnicity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in I'm in the Midwest, so don't don't ask me like what she was. But like um but she was a mystical old woman who shoot, what could she do? She had a crystal ball, because that was on the front cover. It was her with a bun. She had like, olive skin and gray hair and, <laughs> and a and a and a crystal ball. And the protagonist is always a young girl in all my stories. And the the interesting thing about this was that it was much longer than anybody else's book because my mom let me type on a typewriter and Ooh. they said, you don't have to handwrite your book this year. You can type it if you want. Computers were around, but we didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And so it was so long and every pic, you know, it had so much detailed pictures that they, the teacher that year let me read it to the kids after school during lunch. I don't know whose decision it was. Maybe I pushed for it. Maybe she saw it and was like, why don't you share this with the class? You got a launch party. Wow. But I got to, I got to hold court. Yeah. Every day after school for however long it took to read that story. I couldn't believe it. It's not, you know, I don't want to critique a a young child, but it was not what I would call like quality (laughs) entertainment, but 
it did it did the job back then. All the kids sat and listened. Yeah, that's it so was cute. A story. Yeah, so I think it's like all of that being like making all the class listen to me to read my story. It's very. It's a very good foreshadowing for what I would do as a living. Absolutely, living. yeah. When you'd become a writer and a comedian and you're like, I'm going to now say these jokes that I wrote. <laughs> yeah, and host a show. And like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a guest on the show. I'm hosting. Everybody, pay attention. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> totally. Oh, man. So where are we? Where are we in your life? Have you gone to college? No, you're still in high school. So in high school, I did plays and stuff. Right. Creativity. Other jobs I held down were... Gosh, did I hold on? I did a ton I of love that you say, city. other jobs I held down. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of job are you holding down this time? Um, so yeah, I remember getting, I worked at a synagogue on Saturdays for their daycare. I did a Jewish, um, a JCC camp. What is Jewish Community Center camp? Yeah. Um, where I watched their kids. And um, that that other one, the I think it was called the Pink School. It was in a big house painted pink I did that job for, a lot of childcare, child, so yeah a ton of child care and did not ever have an interest in being a teacher which is funny because mm. all my ba- all the kids I babysat would now they're adults why they're older than me now I don't know how and they're like they're like it's weird how that happens they have yeah kids. I'm like what the heck <laughs> glad I don't age but why are you older than me it's weird uh, so they they will say like oh you taught me how to read or you taught me this or you taught me that and remember when you taught me these languages and just like and and I'm like yeah, I never, if a kid was like, you want to be a teacher when you grow up? I'd be like, no, thank you. Like in my mind, teaching was just right. exhausting. But childcare was games and fun and engaging and communicating, mm-hmm. creating. Like there was a lot of that with taking care of kids. Yeah. They're, it's not school. They're there to play at this point. Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. that's where you came in for the like daycare. And I was horrible at disciplining. I did not like that's why parenthood is different from childcare <laughs> or being a grandma or an auntie is that you do not have to discipline in those few hours that you're minding them. Like if they throw a tantrum or, you know, or get away with something like they eat the candy you told them not to. You, you have no stakes in it. So mm-hmm. you're like, all right, cool. Mm, whoops <laughs> now there's a difference as I got older and it started becoming like hey you're gonna hurt yourself you know like be careful listen to me when I'm talking to you mm-hmm. then then that sets in and I was like I'm done with babysitting I was like I'm too close to having my own kids at 20 I think I stopped when I was 20 or 22 I was like I'm okay. too close to rearing my own children for this to be my life like I can't do it <laughs> I love that that was you're like I'm gonna have my own soon I better stop now so I don't so I like was- it <laughs> So I like it. I didn't have them. I didn't have them for a very long time after that. But I love that that was my justification. (laughs) That's a good justification. I think I probably stopped babysitting and I was just like, I hated those kids. I don't ever want to be in charge of anybody else. No, I did have a terrible last babysitting gig. That was the last one. I showed up to the house and the mom was like, oh, actually, my kids went to their their her parent. The parents were divorced. She's like, Mm -hmm. my kids went to their dads. But my boyfriend's two sons are are here and you're going to babysit them. And I was like, (laughs) the switcheroo. (laughs) I showed up. She has two very nice daughters. They were like six and eight. They were at the age where they were like. They could take care. They were like, we can scoop our own ice cream. I'm like, oh, great. Go for it. Like, right. You know, they were old enough. They're like, can we iron your hair? I'm like, absolutely. Let's whatever you want to do. And uh, but the boys were like three and five. Very different. Mm -hmm. They wanted to kill people on the street and like, you know, scoot around into traffic. And I was like, I can't. Yes. I was like, I signed up for the girls who iron my hair. I can't handle these little boys. (laughs) 
you knew you knew internally and i think we all have that inside us of like when we're in a job we don't like and we're like okay it's time it's time I, i'm not made for this yeah i gotta go so i moved on to when i moved to new york in my 20s after school i went to school and got an education in foreign service and a degree in in you know like international relations and so a lot of my peers from that from school were going into international law mm-hmm. or studying um, international business or they were working for the government and I didn't want to, I was not excited by any of that. So I came back home to regroup and I had a giant question mark on my forehead. Like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do? So I'm I got, impressed you went, like you were already doing plays in high school and then you didn't go to school for for theater or acting or anything you or writing. I did not because we had a visual arts school in Indiana, Heron School of Arts that was really renowned, but it, it felt like, but how do you make money with it afterwards? You know, like in, in the, I don't know if this is still the message taught in my neighborhood, but growing up, it was kind of like, the, the money makers are law and being a doctor mm-hmm. and... I don't know. Just like it's like if you're getting an education, it's to go towards those things. Same now, in mine. My parents yeah. were like, can't you do that after? Get a real education and then do whatever you want after. But just have mm. it. Just have it as your fallback. Have it there. <laughs> like Right. So, yeah. So you could not. Yeah. You could not learn how to become a doctor at an art school. So it was just kind of out. And I wanted to I wanted to go to NYU and then because they had an art program and mm-hmm. then I could, you know, pretend to pursue a different degree that was like studious or medical or something. I don't know. But, uh, but the idea of living in New York was too scary because the only exposure I had to New York was through film Mm -hmm. and not home alone Two: lost in New York. Although that sounds scary enough, (laughs) but more like taxi driver. And so it was just like, I can't live there. I'm going to get eaten alive. I'll get murdered in the first week. So, so just like even studying in college, like I just, I just told myself like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna pan out well for you. All right. I mean, at, at, in the long run. So art was always a hobby. And then my academia was always um, the forefront. Mm -hmm. And then it just, it it just came grinding to a halt when I graduated. And I thought, I don't want to pursue a master's in anything. There's nothing I care about. And what the jobs I got when I came home were, I enrolled in dinner theater Love it. I, I started doing, this is not a job, but I, I did started, dinner theater too. It's a hoot. I, I love dinner theater personally. Like, <laughs> if I write a sitcom, it'll probably be about dinner theater. But oh, um, Please let me be a part of it in some way. We had a woman die at a matinee once. Oh no. I know. So it was like scary. a, it was like a nursing home brunch day, you know? Aww, and they were like, yeah. you, the show goes on, you go out there and you sing even, I'm like, there are ENTs like, like, resuscitating a woman Yikes. in the audience oh dear okay well nothing <laughs> also was your, was your dinner theater my the one i worked at was in like delaware and they were always like oh we're 86 pina coladas tonight and i'm like who the fuck it's winter in delaware who's drinking pina coladas they let loose at dinner theater <laughs> the one no and uh, mine was in indianapolis in a fixed location uh, an italian restaurant um in a banquet room where you could come in and out of the room through different doors to be different characters oh. and people would stay static but it also had the other part of this business was that it could travel to different. So they usually travel to wineries. I never played like a an, an old folks home. What do you call that? Assisted living. Facility. Oh no, this was in a barn. They brought they bust them there. This oh, poor gosh. woman passed out in the middle of this barn, not even at the home. Oh man, rest in peace, rest in peace, lady. So, but it's an interesting way to go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we got to do a little bit of traveling to different, different small towns and different wineries. Okay. I don't think, I'm trying to think of the weirdest place that we played. I guess just, yeah, no, they weren't that weird, but <laughs> it, it's all weird. It's just like stand up. It's yeah. like, who, 
who plays in broad daylight in a coffee shop. It mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> but uh, so so I did that. And then I joined our local open mic. I started attending that on a weekly basis. Cool. I was also I was doing a lot of small jobs so I could fill the week with them. So I was a nightclub waitress on the weekends okay. at the local this local nightclub that opened up. And serving drinks. And I was a waitress in an Italian restaurant during the day on the weekdays. One day a week I would do the open mic. And then uh, I somehow fit into the schedule of the, um, the dinner theater. So wow. I, I was somehow was. And then, you know what I also was doing at the same time? Like they all overlapped in a way. Uh, was substitute teaching at my old high school. So we're back to childcare again. There Only you go. this time I'm just, just trying to squeeze like, a little ex- bit in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm executing the lesson plan, but I'm. They also found out I was dabbling in stand up, and I was trying to like make that my identity. So, I was appearing at the comedy club, and I was trying to be like, "Look, I'm a comic now, everybody." Not to the kids I was teaching, but to my peers, and you know, sure. But since my peers were either had younger siblings at the high school still, uh, or were teaching at the high school now, like it just the word got out. So kids would be like, "Do your act, do your act, try some jokes on us." <laughs> no. And for some reason, when you're new at stand-up, you think you have to every time someone says, tell us a joke. And I was like, oh, I don't think it's going to go well, but okay, here's this one. And they'd be like, okay. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> you're like, it, doesn't, it, it works much better at night, you know? Yeah, yeah. you have the- to be at night. You have to be smoking a cigarette. You have to be drinking a drink, an alcoholic beverage, guys. You'll get it. That was like my fear on dates when you say you're a comedian. They're like, oh, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. And you're like, no, I don't even want you to show up to my shows. No, I know. I made that mistake one last time. I was at a house, uh, a dinner party hosted by a family I used to babysit for, but their kid was too old to be babysat anymore. So now it was just like, we're neighbors. Come over. We're mm-hmm. having a dinner party. But I was still surrounded by her parents who are, you know, at the time in their 40s and they were older than me and all their friends were older than me. And so... They're like, what up? What's new with you? You graduated. Congratulations. And what are you up to now? And I'm like, well, I, I'm pursuing stand-up comedy. And they're like, great. Let's hear a joke. And so I told them one of my jokes. It completely fell flat. And and I never did it again. I was like, I'm never telling a joke again whenever anybody asks that. Mm-hmm. Like, I gave myself permission to stop bombing. Right. You could be like, YouTube me. Look, look yeah. me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had nothing to my name. I was like, yeah, I should just say, come to the, come to the open mic and see what I do. But yeah. honestly, I didn't, I didn't do anything yet. <gasps> so, so yeah, that was, that was a ton of jobs, just saving money to get out of Indianapolis to get to either LA or New York. And okay. I ultimately made the decision to come to New York. And then from there, it was improv classes, open mics, and uh, temping during the day in mm-hmm. different offices. And mm. it was the temping that showed me I was not designed for an office. Like, yeah, we love temping stories on here. I temped for a while. There, You don't really have that much like at stake because you're a temp, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you very quickly are treated like a piece of shit because you're a temp. <laughs> I went into it with a, raw, with a different mindset. It was, how do I make this my new job. You know, how did oh, I get wow. them to hire me full time? Not knowing that everybody else was thinking, oh, you're a temp. You're not. <laughs> you're here for a week. Okay, kid. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, it was again, it was just like at Donato's. I was like playing a role. So I got, I went to Target. I got tweed suits nice. on discount. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I look like, I felt like Melanie Griffith in Working yes. Girl. Like I literally <laughs> felt like now that I've had my makeover, I'm ready for this job. And they're like, the temp, they're all like, the temp showed up in a suit. <laughs> what temp yes, shows up in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> and the number of times I went into a job. Do you know how many t- jobs you work as a temp? Oh, so God. many. Yeah. At least a dozen. I, go, I was like, this is my job to keep or to lose. And so uh, <laughs> there was one in particular that stands out that I was just answering phones. And um, it was 
called, I don't even know if this company exists anymore, but it was called Control Services. And they provided security, I believe. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't name names if I thought it would be consequential. So I, I truly don't, I don't think they're around. And if they are around, congratulations. But it's so old, so long ago. And the temp agency that hired me out was called, I don't know, Temporary Resources. So I kept answering the phone, Control Resources, how may I help you? And it's called Control <laughs> Services. Just one word difference. I did it so many times in the day. <laughs> the woman working next to me finally goes, it's services. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, my God. How, I can't believe she waited that long. I know. Wouldn't you do it like, right? oh, by the way, you answered it wrong. It was... <laughs> still funny to me but at the time I felt very like oh sorry sorry yeah 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 control services control services <laughs> I would have looked at my watch and been like I've been here doing that for six hours and you're just telling me this right now what kind of friend are you she probably was worried you're gonna come for her job and she's like she, she's like let's just let her fail let's watch her I fail I love it I know and who pays attention to a temp like who even notices that you're there but it was no. like she was like who the hell is this woman what is her problem? And so the next day I brought cookies in. I was like, okay, I get it. I, I, that was on me. I said the name of the company wrong all day. But today I win you over with cookies. By the end of the day, nobody had touched the cookies. Like I made an announcement. There's cookies in the pantry for whoever wants them. <laughs> and that one woman who was the one that yelled at me, she was also the only one that would talk to me. She goes, okay, thanks. And then uh, <laughs> who are these had people? I don't know. That's the first thing when someone's like, there's cookies in the pantry. I'm like, what? What do you know? I have to take a break. Uh, there's a cookie for me. I know. Me. I love cookies in the pantry. So anyway, <laughs> I took those cookies home and, and you know, my temp agency was like, okay, that job's done. So let's put you on something else. Like, it was like, you're not coming back there. And I just thought like, what the heck? <laughs> I love that you wanted to have the job. It's like you wanted to get the job so you could be like, actually, today I quit. It's on my terms. <laughs> Feels better than being like, we're done. We don't need to have her anymore. <laughs> you don't know how many times I had that conversation with my husband, who was then my boyfriend. He would just be like, you don't really want to do this for a living. What is your problem? But it was all about financial stability and, and totally. somehow proving something to my family that I could make it in New York. I was like, if I can pull in a, a paycheck and pay rent, then nobody's going to worry about me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I every time I did actually get hired on full time in whatever job I had, it I, I was a result of some kind of layoff because of the economy around that era. Mm. So it was just like, I think three times I got laid off in that after having like done all the paperwork to get the oh full time God. job that I just finally accepted like, okay, I am, I meant to be a comedian. I do not need to have an office job. Yeah, no. But just little things like that where it's really not that bad, but it's also I'm a little aloof as to the right way to do things. Like I, I learned to be professional in little moments like that. Like learn the name of the company if you're going to answer the phone with the company's name. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you were successful if nothing happened until she said something, you know, they, they understood. <laughs> they got it. Yeah. I just think I could win people over with a smile and charm instead of actually doing the work that was required of wow. me. I think that's the that's the common thread. That's the actor in you, actually. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I can just put this, you know, this charming face on, and I'm going to get paid for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it would it would it would lighten the mood. It would yeah. like create a nice atmosphere. But they needed at the end of the day, they needed the work to get done. <laughs> so you were temping. Did you get any jobs like while you were temping? Did you get any jobs in the entertainment industry that you were like? I don't need, this is going to change my life. I don't need to temp anymore. Like, oh, sure. Um, even like a break. commercial. Yeah. Any breaks that you were like, oh, hell well, yeah. I, I think, you know, I have to look at it 
in hindsight, I think in the moment, everything felt like a big deal, including the very first job that I got that paid a number that I could not believe. And I will <laughs> share that number, so buckle up. I oh, can't wait. I was doing stand-up for maybe a year in New York City, and somehow, oh, I was answering Craigslist ads about needing performers for different things. So one thing said, we need a stand-up <laughs> For that seems a live safe. event, <laughs> they needed an MC for a live event. Okay. And up to that point, I had done some MC work in Indianapolis at our local comedy club for like the open mic, and I had done um, like hosting uh, my own mic, like I ran a mic or something in mm-hmm. New York. So anyway, I felt like yeah, I can gather everybody around and tell them how the show is going to go. But this was MCing for um, NBA event, so it was like you like Dwayne. I'm sorry, I'm horrible at sports and I'm bad at actual celebrity names who you've heard a million times, but it's not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But I thought the other you were going to say The Rock. I was like ready for it. Dwayne the, the Superman. Is that his name? No, it's not Superman. Gabrielle Union's husband. This guy was there. Oh, I don't this know his so last name, but I know his last What's wrong with us? Yeah, okay. I'm like... <laughs> My apologies to your viewing audience because this is not like saying I don't know this obscure player. This is a very famous player who I'm blanking on right now. I'll find it for you, but oh, tell me the story. Sakes. The story is, uh, Ahmad Rashad, was, it was a televised event. I was doing the live portion. All I had to do was amp up these kids in the bleachers, but they were bust in. It was in Rockefeller Center Plaza. So it was a very big deal to do to be a part Dwayne of the Dwayne Wade. I'm just... Dwayne Wade, for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. He's anyway. coming for you. <laughs> yeah. It's just your your listeners are going to like rubbing their temples after no, this episode. No. They know. They're I all going to feel like... sports. Don't worry. Okay, fine. But they're going to feel like that woman that worked with me that's like, Dwayne Wade, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Dwayne Resources. <laughs> just go so, for it <laughs> so right. it wasn't a Mav Rashad it, was, uh, it wasn't even a Mav Rashad I'm confusing the, but it was another host who you see a lot on television for NBA so anyway um, anyway, there were, there were some important players on this, this, this thing so it was like a, a, a pretty cool thing but all I was doing was talking to people in between like are you guys still excited and, and um, so I, I just told them like yeah, here's my resume. I've done this. I've done that. Like, I really talked myself up. And they're like, great. Uh, what's your rate? And obviously, I didn't have a rate. I think I'd only been paid $20 max for a live show ever. <laughs> and so I I was like, I don't know what are you guys are willing to pay. And I wanted $25 for it. <laughs> or I wanted 100 I was like, if I'm hosting for an NBA. hour, I should probably get 100 They didn't say NBA. They didn't say what the, what the event was. Sorry, oh. I, I kind of... I jumped the gun here, but okay. it ended up being a huge deal. So she was like, okay, uh, will you take 800 And I was like, buh, 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 buh. will I take 800 Will it I take like my whole night, month's rent? A one-night yeah, like, event, too? Yeah, at that okay. time, that would have paid my rent. And so I was just like, yeah, I'll take 800 You know, so I, there was no negotiating involved. But I was like, <laughs> I have arrived. And then when I got there and I saw all these people from TV, I'm like, I am a big deal. Now, the actual, you know, thing of it was that I was never seen on TV once. No one ever handed me a microphone. I was literally, I was like a cheerleader. I was shouting at kids in, in the bleachers and being like, okay, guys. I was like the, you know, in a studio room, like getting people to clap when it was uh-huh. time to clap. Wow. And I did not tell any jokes. I was just essentially like a mascot without a costume. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. And I, but I still got that check. And Hell I was like, yeah. wow, this is entertainment, you know? So <laughs> depending on how you're looking at it, it didn't, it I, I, I did not do the job I came to do, and I was probably grossly underpaid for the size of the event that it actually was. Like, yeah. if I had representation, they would have negotiated a different rate, or they would have just, you know, not had 
me do it, do whatever yeah. that job was. But it was very, very cool. And it was it was definitely what kept me going. And oh, yeah. Like, like, this must be those big paychecks they talk about, mm-hmm. you know, that life-changing money. <laughs> I also, like, now that you say it, I'm like, why? The NBA, tons of representation there. Why were they on Craigslist looking for someone? <laughs> why were they like, know. yeah, just do a Craigslist poster. We could probably get away with paying someone like 800 bucks or something, it you know? It was some <laughs> exhibition event. Like, I couldn't even, yeah. I bet, <laughs> if, yeah, if my husband, Luke, who was also a comedian, Luke Thayer, if he was here, he would know more about, like, what this event is that's <laughs> televised every year or why they need kids in the in stadiums or where these kids even came from. But yeah. I got a free T-shirt in addition to my paycheck. And Hell Yeah. And it was on my resume. Oh, yeah, you better believe it. I was like, MBA? I've worked with the MBA. <laughs> you know the uh, you know the Knicks? <laughs> I do all their games. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you know Dwayne Wade. Good close, good close personal friend of mine. When I can remember his name. Until she did that podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this, yeah. So we're walking through, like, first impressions of my career and and like first experiences and and that's among them of just like you know that's what cool. you didn't know could happen yeah, yeah i love that and it also you you found it it wasn't like you know something it, it just like fell mm-hmm. into your lap kind of i don't know i think that's cool. well yeah it was kind of like that i think has been like the 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 gist of me in new york city is like how do you how are you able to do this how are you able to do that and it's kind of like because I just kept looking for work and I just kept trying to scrounge it up and then, you know, I would get lucky and sometimes things would come through, mm-hmm. you know, so there's, there's tons of stories of rejection and auditions that didn't go well and self-sabotage and anxiety after a show and tears, but there's also just like really cool, I wouldn't have written that in a book and now it's happened and that's really sweet. Yeah. Is there any other moment before we're going to take a call from someone who is currently unemployed? I mm-hmm. wanted to know if there was any other moment where you had like a big win like that. And then because we get high off of that as actors, you get one mm-hmm. job and you're like, now they're all pouring in. And then sometimes <laughs> they don't. Sometimes you do a commercial, you do a spot, you do a show and you're and you're like on this kick. And then you realize, oh, my God, for the next six months, is it's like a lull. Have mm-hmm. you ever gone through a period like that where... Oh, where I thought this is it, I've made it, and mm-hmm. then I hadn't made it. <laughs> that $800 check, I believe. No, truly, like, honestly, even leading up to that, any moment where I felt like it was a, a milestone, mm-hmm. is it, it kind of feels like that. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm about 15 years in now, and I feel like I'm... I'm not jaded. I just um, temper my expectations for something mm-hmm. and I value the actual work I get to do. So it's like this this particular show I'm on, you know, it could it could take off or it could not take off, but I did it and it's super cool that it so exists. Cool. And now my my daughter can, you know, live in a world where a black woman can host a late night show and it can be for women and by women, you know, like whereas before she wouldn't have lived in that world. Right. So so that in and of itself is cool. Yeah. Whether whether or not I get a, a blue check mark on a social platform as a result of it and <laughs> have tabloids take a picture of me looking sleepy holding a Starbucks in a sweatshirt, you know, like that's not to me as important. And also I'm able to eat and I'm able to live. I, I adjust, I guess like in America, I feel like you have a quality of life, mm-hmm. you know, that is definitely above some other people in the world and so you know whether I'm a millionaire or not doesn't matter like I've got my health and you know like that doesn't mean you should stop fighting for health insurance health insurance needs to improve in this country and I've definitely been 
my scariest time in entertainment was when I didn't have my uh, Screen Actors Guild health insurance because mm-hmm. it was just like we spending through the nose and not getting anything and not getting the care we needed. Like that was a scary existence, but I'm glad I lived through it. And yeah. I do have my union benefits again, but I don't know what's going to happen. You know, right. you never know. So, so yeah, we have to, geez, this became long. I'm on that soapbox. Thing <laughs> I again. love it. Yeah. <laughs> you I, have no, to, this um, is the unemployed podcast. This is a place for you to say how you mm-hmm. feel about these issues. I love it. But the short answer is yes, absolutely. I felt like this is my moment and I ruined it, you know, like, or this was my chance. I should have been this. I had an SNL audition that like kind of was going to be in my mind, like anybody would dream, like everybody who's, who who comes to New York and does improv already has heard of SNL. They grew up watching it. And then they, they realize at least in the era that I was um, do like working at UCB, that, a, that it was kind of a pipeline. It was like, SNL is definitely looking here. And mm-hmm. and um, the reason I had the audition was a good time. They were, I think, looking for a woman of color. But uh, so not everybody, you know, if you're not fitting the casting pocket, they might not even be looking for you right now. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you shouldn't try. You should definitely work on your skills and try because mm-hmm. that could change at any time. But in that moment, it was as if a commercial was casting someone that looked like me, it was kind of like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you should go out for this role. Right. So so the stars aligned that I got to have an audition for the show that I had, you know, looked up to for years. And I didn't I didn't get a screen test, but I got to be in the room of the people who, you know, I've only seen on TV and aspire to work with. So, you know, that at the time I took as a, oh man, you really beefed it. You didn't get this thing. And good luck ever having a career. No. But... But looking back on it now, it's like there are more people who audition that don't get on. There are more people who get on that don't become famous. And it's kind of like that you're still in the business. You know, it's, it yeah. is a show. It's a job. It's a job like other jobs on TV. And and so I have still worked on TV and I've gotten more airtime than I would have been on, on that show in different jobs mm-hmm. that I've had. So, I was also going to say it goes in your book, just like you said, with this NBA yeah. job, like So like you're saying, if you at all are in comedy and you are near New York City, you know, Mm -hmm. SNL is the only job for you. You think forever. You're like, well, I'm here. I got to get through sketch. I got to get through writing. I got to get I got to become on, you know, SNL cast member or SNL Mm -hmm. writer. So like the fact that you can even just say, like, I had an audition for it before, like you you were in that room, like is the coolest thing ever. And like so many people who hear that will be like, damn, like I never got that far. Like. You know, it's hard then. And I think whatever level you get to, you you know, yeah, you were at that level then. So if you didn't get it, you were like, damn it. Why wasn't I the one picked? But Uh you look back and you're like, wow, that was pretty cool. (laughs) That was great that I got to be there. Yeah, for sure. And I feel that way about a lot of pretty much every job I've had that I've gotten to do has been cool in some respect. I was a celebrity journalist for People, the magazine. So fun. They're online. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. And it was just like. I got to meet way more celebrities than I ever had met in, uh, in my career up to that point and, and see how they were living and interact with them and pick their brains or not get, mm-hmm. you know, ushered away from them immediately. <laughs> um, but just like even that was a really cool opportunity and it wasn't on my bucket list of I have to do this in order to matter in entertainment. Yeah. So I just think how we're defining it is, is funny. Like from an audience member, we can definitely see how we define it. It's like, uh, are you a household name? Uh, are you a millionaire? It's easy. <laughs> That's how you know you've succeeded. But it's really, it's more about like, now as an artist, am I getting to have a voice? Am I talking about things that matter to me? Am I mm-hmm. creating content I want to see? Yeah. Am I 
uh, going with the flow or am I fighting the things that aren't working for me? Like the Me Too movement was huge and I never would have thought, like huge for me, it was a huge uh, turning point for me in my career and I never would have dreamed of it being able to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm exactly the kind of person that could have made it happen. Like it's like, all you got to do is turn down a gig when somebody, you know, is inappropriate to you or whatever and it's just like, I can't do that. We don't do that. We get our name besmirched, you know, and... So just like that, just like seeing that, that that change has happened is uh, is really more important to me than that checklist of things that seem to matter about yeah. celebrity entertainment. I love that. And in America, we confuse celebrity so much with being important, the important part. Sure. Yeah. Celebrity is a very loose term now, I'd say. You know, there are... <laughs> no. It's so funny, though, especially like, you know... TikTok and how like everybody in their say, home yeah. is a director and I'm like dang okay mm-hmm. I thought it was bad when Vine was around but now with TikTok it's like not only are you a- able to do it but you're able to go viral so mm-hmm. it's like once everyone has gone viral what does it mean anymore I don't know I don't don't know no I don't know no I think you're using your platform for amazing stuff and you really do have like the right mindset and it shows you're getting these cool jobs where you do get to make work that you're proud of and so that's really yeah. cool. And I'm so happy yeah, yeah. that you're here. Um, okay. So can we do a call right now? Are you ready for this? We Let's have a caller. His name is Matt. And I just, before he comes on, I want to read what he told me in, uh, on Twitter. You know it, you love it. Uh, that's where I crowdsource My second home. <laughs> all of, <laughs> all of our guests come from Twitter. Okay. So he immediately responded to my post when I said, is anyone unemployed and could use a pep talk? He said, unemployed new lawyer here worked my ass off for four years past the bar haven't been able to find work not enough experience for an attorney position overqualified for everything else i spend my days writing cover letters and doom scrolling (laughs) i have been there all right so i'm gonna admit matt to the conversation hey matt hi i'm here thanks for having me hi hello Matt, it's nice to meet you. I'm anna this is abby and ellen hello nice to meet you all welcome matt how are you how are you doing Um, i'm all right hanging in there yeah, I liked your post because <laughs> your your message to me because you know a lot of people say weird shit and you were just straight up very honest and I appreciated it and I felt for you. I've doom oh, scrolled many <laughs> what years. What is doom scrolling? Oh, that's just where you know you scroll through Twitter and read all the news and just basically and hate feel yourself worse and, and worse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so or just same being with looking on for jobs. Yeah. So just being on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I thought you meant looking for jobs, too, because I've done that where you're just in those posts, you know, in those websites oh. called like going. Oh, that, too. I mean, it's a combination. Yeah. So- yeah. Pounding the pavement, <laughs> as they used to say before it was all virtual. You would. Yeah. yeah. It would be so demoralizing to be like, oh, I'm going. actually, that's what being in entertainment is. It's just like auditioning. You can either look at it as I'm constantly interviewing and I'm constantly being rejected <laughs> Or another perspective is I have this job and as I read these lines, this is me in that role, whether I get getting paid for it or not. So it's kind of like you can view it as a way to play and now you're Mm -hmm. done playing Mm -hmm. and now you can move on to the next thing that you get to play at. Uh, But when it comes to actual, like I've been unemployed many times in this career and I don't mean like not just having a creative Mm -hmm. job, but I mean not having a day job or a job that actually provides a, a paycheck to keep the lights on and it is a grind. It is very tough. So already, Matt, the fact that you are in it, I'm very impressed by your strength because <laughs> it takes some endurance. Matt, mental when, fortitude. When did you go to law school? Um, I graduated law school 2020. Okay. 
That was a year. Then, uh, Remember that yeah. year? <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> what a year. And, uh, Congratulations. I hope so, someone said it to you in 2020. You know, <laughs> yes, It's like the 13th did. floor. You. One day, 2020 won't exist. So everything that happened <laughs> will be erased from history. Yeah. Yeah, like I found out I um I found out I passed the bar in April of so mid quarantine and everything just oh excited and then congratulations. congratulations yeah and then no jobs at all yeah 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 hard to find them and people losing them at the same time so it's not <sighs> yeah. just like yeah people not let being let in but also people being flushed out just so businesses can stay afloat it's such a such a sneaky yeah. time. That's a tough time to pass the bar because you're like, I did it. I did what I have to do. And now <laughs> someone just has to let me come yep. to the office. And they're like, no one's coming to any office. <laughs> yeah, I, thought um, the, I thought the hard part was over, but apparently not. Matt, yeah. what kind of law did you study or that, what um, do you want to do? I would like to do, so I want to do like something, feel like I'm doing good with it. So I want to do like either civil rights or environmental law is mm-hmm. what I've been focusing on. But there's not really a market for that. Well, uh, my, well, I'm surprised there's not a market for it because civil rights are being disrespected be. left and right in this like, day and age. When I saw the, I, all the yeah. protests, and I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, I'll find something here. But my, the issue I've been running into is uh, they everyone wants a couple years, five years experience. And I, don't, I don't have that. <laughs> I hate that so much. And I have been there because I was laid off from a job and I just remember like, I was qualified for other jobs. I just needed a job. I needed some benefits. I needed somewhere to go every day. I needed mm-hmm. to pay my rent. And they'd be like, well, you've already done these things. So like, why would you want this job? Yeah. Are you getting, is that the oh, kind of feedback the, you're getting? The They're biggest like, thing you, I'm getting. You have a law yeah, degree. The biggest thing I get is, <laughs> oh, you're overqualified. So mm-hmm. when I'm just mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to find something, you know, until I can find an actual lawyer job, but then I'm getting the, oh, you're overqualified for this. So no, thank you. Like, well, I know I'm overqualified. How's your... How's your resume? Do you change it for so, each job interview? Yeah, so or like to do is to starting to leave off the fact that I went to law school when I'm applying for different when, when I'm applying for non lawyer jobs. Which is so jobs. insane. <laughs> but if it's not if it's not relevant, there's no reason you need it on there. Yeah. Honestly, I don't I think that it is lying. If it just doesn't apply, you don't have to put every single skill that you have mm-hmm. on the resume, just yeah. the one that speaks to the job. I mean, I had um I had Georgetown on my resume and it made it really hard to temp. It was like, why do you want to temp if you're Georgetown? And I was like, if you want and I also school. couldn't reveal because I want to be a comedian. So when you do finally make it and, and you get your, your job as a lawyer, which you will, in my experience, about like two years in, you're going to want to try stand up. So you could just cut out the middleman and get up on stage. That's free. Oh my God. Yeah, I got to wait for the bars to open up for that one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, are your friends from law school going through a lot of them going through the same like are you at least able to commiserate with the group of people you you graduated with yeah a lot of us a lot of us are having these difficulties uh finding a a job maybe you should all start your own i know i was gonna say it sounds like the making of a movie they all come together (laughs) right group of lawyers graduate ready to take on the world and then there's a fucking pandemic. Wait, what? <laughs> We're you supposed know, to make right lots of right money we now. We get our lives together. You know? Yeah, we just spent a lot of money to make a lot of money. And that's supposed to happen pretty soon, right? I think, oh, yeah, hungering man. down, it's going to be the real challenge is like, what do I do while I'm waiting? Um, and so you got to follow the frugal Instagrams. You got to say, how do I like use less and, and live on less? I, I just followed one that recommended bringing a mason jar to your takeout so that you can put your leftovers in that instead of a, a natural doggy bag. But then it's like, why don't you just order less food? Why don't you stop eating at a restaurant? You know, like you could yeah. really scale, scaling it back. 
is, is my recommendation to you. Surround yourself with friends that can commiserate. Like Anna just sussed out, you've got some fellow, uh, some fellow classmates. But I, yeah, if you don't have people in your life yet that get it, and if they're like bugging you about why don't you have a job yet, get them out of here, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I've been lucky. I have a I have a really great support system. Awesome. So at least that that part's uh, mm-hmm. all right for me. Yeah, that's, that's good. Being being in our field as an actor, most of them don't believe you'll ever make it. So you know, it's it's always your whole life. You're being you're like, like you're la, just la, 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 la. you have to tune them out. Yeah, shut them up. You know, you go every holiday. What do you do again? What are you trying to make of yourself again? <laughs> right. Um, but oh but yeah, God. droughts and windfalls are typical for entertainment. I don't think they're typical for law, but uh, but. But this, you're going through a drought, so I can definitely speak to droughts. Um, and that is, you kind of, where does this phrase come from? Gird your loins. I say it so what? often. Is it Shakespearean or is it biblical? I don't know. Gird your loins. I feel like I think it's from like old school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean cover your genitals. I mean, kind of like uh, if you're a squirrel, keep the acorns that you have. Practice gratitude. Be thankful for them. People recommend this to me all the time. I don't know why. Um, and just and just kind of hunker down. But but do what's right for you mentally. Like if you find that you're spiraling on Twitter, stay off Twitter because eventually, <laughs> truly, you're gonna be in a visible lawyer that is representative of a law firm. So if you're just like spewing all your anxieties online, it do that through text message through your friends before you do it publicly <laughs> on a public record. That's my, that's my tip for you. And that this will pass. Yeah. The vaccines will get distributed. Uh, the economy will be boosted. The people who are suppressing the economy in this current administration will be gone. And you know, so yeah, that's my, that felt yeah. good. That felt talk. good for me. I, I loved it. Matt, I wanted to ask you one more thing. What do you like to do for fun right now? Now that you don't have work, you don't have school. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I've like transport back to like my 16 year old self. I've been playing a lot of <laughs> video sweet, games. Sweet. Oh, nice! So. I played Mario Kart last night. Oh, nice! For a long time, yeah, mm-hmm. with friends over Zoom too. I was like, "How high tech are we?" <laughs> They're like, "Not that high tech." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you get, you got through the bar, law school, and the bar during the shittiest year of our of our time. So, <laughs> you know, play as much video games right now as you want. Really, I, I support you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. It was great to meet you. Thanks. Nice meeting you. Bye. 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 Oh, that was fun. I feel for him. The, to gra- even anybody graduating, any you know, from college, from grad school, any time this year yeah. is just like, now what? Now we got all this debt and no one's hiring me? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he Ugh. didn't even have, or he didn't even express that he's got like depression on top of it. But like how many artists do you know right now that are just like, <laughs> trying to tread water emotionally? Tons, on top of yeah. actual real world hardness. So uh, so good for yes. him. He's looking pretty good for a guy who's having a really rough time. Um, you're great. Where can everyone find you? Because, you know, you're obviously full of great. Check uh, there out we go. Up yeah. early tonight on, Lu- on Lulu. <laughs> on Lulu Lemon. No. <laughs> Get it right. Let's do that again. Here I am with words again. Here we go. Come on. You're, you're selling yeah. the show. Up Early Tonight is on Hulu. It's produced by Scary Mommy and Huggies. It's a late night talk show by moms for moms that is even enjoyed by non-moms. So please tune in. And also, yeah, we can joke around on Twitter if you want. At Curly Comedy on Instagram. At Curly Comedy. I will respond. We will have a great time. But yeah, thanks for I having me. I love it. Thank you. That is it, guys. That's another episode of Unemployed with Anna Roisman today. Very unemployed. Hopefully not tomorrow, though, you know. But if you are unemployed out there, I see you. I love you. And we're going to get through this shitty time together. Uh, Go listen to the rest of the episodes. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow, find the Patreon, you know, all that good shit. I love you. Bye. Bye.
right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout out right here from me. Tons of love. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it. And it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed. And, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon. And right now, huge shout out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steel, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan. We got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us. And I appreciate you. And I see you. And I love you. 